Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. We're starting a new series on prayer. And uh, I'm going to be doing today, obviously. Rachel will be, um, she'll be preaching next week and the week after. Isn't that cool? So she's busy preparing. Uh, so make sure you um, get along, bring your friends. Rachel is just an amazing preacher. Uh, and she has a touch of God on her life. If you haven't heard her preach before, um, <clears throat> yeah, get along. You'll be blessed. Um, but uh, today, I just want to preach a simple message on fervent prayer. We're talking about the secret life of prayer. This is the name of the, the title of this series. The series is called Secret Life, and I guess the reason I've called it Secret Life is because there is a superpower that we get to have that others don't have, and it's called prayer. Yes. And oftentimes we look at prayer as the last thing we do after doing everything else. I, I know um, that's something that I find myself, the trap that I find myself falling into. Has anybody else fallen into that trap where you've done everything that you think you can do, right? But then you think, oh, none of that's working. Maybe I should pray, <laughs> right? Well, there is something in prayer that when we begin to prioritize prayer, there's a shift that happens. There really is a shift that happens that God actually begins to move in ways we never thought he could. And uh, I'm just going to show you some examples of that in, in the Bible. Um, I'm going to first turn to James chapter 5, um, verse 13. I'm going to lead out of this scripture. James chapter 5, verse 13. I mean, listen to this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, everybody say prayer of faith, will save the one who is sick. A prayer of faith is a prayer that relies on God to do the work, not some special prayer that we have to pray in a certain way or in a certain tone or a certain volume or whatever, you know, sometimes people mistake that, especially in the more charismatic circles, if you know what I mean by that word, that a prayer of faith has to be a thee and a thou and you have to shake your voice in the name of Jesus, right? And every time you start to pray, it's a, oh, it's like that. It's, that's not a prayer of faith. That's just someone with a big wavy voice doing funny things. You don't have to do any of that. Prayer of faith is simply a prayer that relies on God. Okay? Anyone can do it. And sometimes we miss out on so much of what God can do as believers, just as a part of a church, because, you know, there's some people that can pray louder and we think, oh, man, they can pray so much better than me. No, no, no. If you believe in God, that He can meet your needs, that is a prayer of faith. Anybody got a prayer of faith up on the inside of them? Come on now. That's good. That's good. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another 
that you may be healed. That's the church. That's why we have the church. Okay, that's, I'm not going to preach about that. I'm not going to get, I could get sidelined to preach about that one scripture. But we need to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed. The prayer, and I want you to hear this, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Is there any righteous people here in this room? Who doesn't know whether or not they're righteous? Anybody? You're not going to admit it? Okay, we've got one person who's got a few other liars in the room. They're like, yeah, I just, I don't know, but I don't want to lift my hand. <laughs> what, what's, what's the believer's definition of a righteous person? A follower of Christ is righteous because of Christ, not because of what they've done. So if you believe that you are forgiven in Christ and that you believe that in your heart that He is your Lord and Savior, you are righteous. And this is what the Bible says about a righteous person, that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful, powerful and effective. And and James, he goes on to talk about a guy called Elijah in verse 17. He says this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What does he mean by that? A nature like ours? Well, if you read the story of Elijah, this is the guy who when um, Jezebel... Jezebel, you know who Jezebel was, right? She was, she was one, uh, she was one, she was one lady who, who she, she messed with, uh, she messed with Elijah's head. So much so that he went, he was so scared of her um, that he went and hid in a cave um, and wanted to commit suicide because she was after him, not in a good way, right, in a bad way. She wanted to chop his head off type of thing. He just wanted to kill him. And uh, so, so when, when, um, when James is saying he has a nature like ours, he's saying he was just like you and I. He had some issues. Um, I'm not putting it on you that you've got issues, but I know I do. So I'm just assuming that you do too, right? Um, sorry to do that, but it's probably true. He, 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 he had a nature just like ours. He wasn't Mr. Strong. He wasn't, Mr. He wasn't a superhuman. A lot of the time we look at the people in the Old Testament as people who were superhumans, like like Moses had this superhuman ability to part the water with a stick. It wasn't him, it was God. Okay, you know, all of these guys, you know, King David had this amazing ability to kill a, a giant with one stone. That wasn't David's abilities, that was God, right? And it's the same with Elijah. Though he had a nature just like ours, we probably tend to, in the depths of our hearts, think less of ourselves the more. Though we had a nature just like us, he, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. <clears throat> the word I want to just bring out of this is fervently. Everybody say fervently. Fervently. So he had a nature like ours, but he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. This is interesting. What was it that caused Elijah's prayer to be answered? It was this fervency. This fervency is an interesting word because um, 
if you look in other versions, like the NIV, the NIV so it says that he prayed earnestly. Right? Uh, so the translators are kind of stuck between fervency and earnest. But when you look at the original word, what it actually kind of means is that he kept on praying again and again and again and again. A fervent prayer is a, per, a, per, a, fervent, a fervent prayer is a person who keeps on praying again and again and again and again and doesn't give up praying. That's a fervent prayer. So, so here's, here's Elijah. Though he had a nature like us, he kept on praying. He didn't give up praying. He didn't give up seeking God for that which he knew that was in Christ, right? He knew that God was going to do something and he didn't give up. He prayed fervently. He prayed fervently. Now, this is relevant to us because I know there are certain things in our world where we get so sick of praying for them that we just actually give up. Or we feel like we're just kind of bothering God about the same old thing and He doesn't want to answer that no more, so we just give up on it. Anybody know what I'm saying? It's like, we just, it's like man, I, I'm just kind of sick of praying about this thing. I'm sick of, I feel like Bob Dylan, I'm just knocking on heaven's door. And nothing's happening. Where are you, God? But the prayers of a, of, of, of a righteous person, you see, God is going to begin to teach you to come to Him and come to Him and come to Him and come to Him and keep seeking Him and keep seeking Him. That is fervency. That's something we need to learn in Christ. Don't give up praying. Don't stop. Now, I'm not saying here that if you haven't had some prayers answered, um, that you need to make a resolution now to pray more. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, because, because there are certain things that sometimes we pray about and pray and pray about and those things don't get answered. So there are some things that we have to trust God on. But there is also things that the Lord is beginning to teach us all about prayer, where we just give up too soon on the things that God is actually taking us into. We give up too soon. We begin to look at ourselves. We begin to look at our incompetence. We begin to look at <clears throat> other people. We begin to see, uh, you know, they've got favor, but I haven't. We begin to, we begin to compare ourselves. with, And when we just stop praying, we just stop praying. We have to be fervent. Don't ever underestimate the power of non-stop prayer. Don't underestimate it. There is power in non-stop prayer. There is power in your prayers that don't stop. There is power. You, can, you know, you are allowed. And God will, God will reveal to you if, if there are things that you're praying about that aren't within His will. He'll make it clear to you. But you've got to keep going to Him. Just keep going to Him. Some of, some of us have given up praying for our kids who have gone wayward. We've given up praying for our spouses who aren't coming to, coming to know Jesus like you know Jesus. We've, come, we've given up praying for, for that situation that has never changed. We've just given up. Don't underestimate the power of praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying 
Because God will answer you. He will. He will. Maybe he's teaching you something about faith. We give up too soon. You know, um, a great story in the Bible is in the book. There's so many in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is like one of the coolest books in the Bible because it tells the story of what happened just as Christ ascended the Holy Spirit came and the church, as we now know, it was birthed. And <clears throat> it just shows how God was working through his people like he worked through his people just now, in t- today, just like them. Okay? And <clears throat> we see some crazy stuff happening. So one of these things, um, <clears throat> I'm just going to read it to you because, and you'll pick up the story. It's about Paul and Silas. Once, um, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Isn't that interesting? That in the spirit realm, apart from Christ, there are um, people that can predict the future. You need to be careful. If it doesn't come from Jesus, it has the power to deceive you. A lot of people think, oh no, I can just go and see that person and that person and, you know, they can... Listen, you be very careful. It's not coming from Jesus. It's not coming from a good place. Because there's only Jesus or the devil. <laughs> there ain't no in-betweens, right? So anyway, um, she, she, um, she earned a great deal of money for her owners. So she was a slave, a slave, okay, by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. In that voice. You'll see it in the footnotes. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul, and I see myself in this story. I see I'm Paul in this story. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. It was an evil spirit. Right? Evil spirit. Now, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. This is a bit scary. When you actually begin to see God doing some stuff, persecution happens as well, which is always a bit scary, but anyway. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Does anybody agree with me that this is a really bad day? Things have gone wrong like wrong. Like you you can't even describe how wrong. It's like, how was your day? Well... Terrible. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Bad day. Bad day. Bad day. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were weeping, asking God, why are they in this situation? Angry at God because of all the things that they've done, 
And here we end up, what are we doing here in jail? Don't you know who we are, God? Don't you know what I've done? What are they doing? They're praying and singing hymns to God. There's a breaking in my favor. There's a shifting in my direction as praise. They're praying. And, it, and it's, it's, it's significant that it says at midnight. Because I'm telling you, if that was me, put myself in the story, at midnight, I don't know. I've converted to another religion. I don't know. I've just like given up. Right? I'm like, what are they doing? Praying and singing at midnight after being thrown in jail. What are they doing? Fervent. Fervent. Fervency. Going to God. Seeking God. Praying. Praising. Praying. Praising. Let me tell you something. Our lives are too hard not to be praying and not to be praising. The, the, the things of this world are too difficult to deal with if we're not praying. If we're not praising. That's why we do this every Sunday. That's why I love that you guys are being intentional by being here. Because you're going, okay, this, this Sunday is a marked day where I am going to pray and I'm going to praise God. And connect group is the same. You get to your connect group, I'm going to pray with my people and I'm going to praise God with them. And you have those rhythms in your life. I'm telling you, miracles begin to flow. Things begin to happen. So what happens with, with these guys? Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. <clears throat> and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up <laughs> okay, and he saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword, was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for the lights, <clears throat> rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He realized, uh, okay, God's with these people. He brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them in to his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Isn't that just cool? What brought all of this about? You know when you step into the miraculous? You know how you step into the miraculous? Fervent prayer. It's simple. Just keep going to God and don't stop. Just every day. When Rachel and I first came, I was like, God, I need a car. What happened was we didn't calculate how much we would have to pay on brokerage and uh, the deposit to take a house. So we'd had a little bit of money aside when we first moved here for a car. Um, and then all of a sudden, I realized I ain't going to get a house if I buy the car. All of a sudden, after, you know, I got my license at 16, 
Um, uh, I, I was 35. All of a sudden, I'm driving, chauffeur-driven by all these... And we just before, this is pre-Uber, pre... Uh, uh, what is it, Ola? You know, this is black and yellow. Here I am, black and yellow. So I'm like, God, I want a car. I ain't got no money for a car. Every morning, I used to just pray. I don't know what else to do. God, I need a car. And I wanted an Innova. I, I, that's what I wanted. So God, I, I wanted an Innova. And I want it. I just, I don't know how we're going to do it. And, uh, and somehow, we got an Innova for half the price of what they were out in the market. We, we, um, we ended up having a little bit in reserve and uh, bought the Innova. We built that, this church, we used to carry these speakers, uh, those ones, and that drum kit in the back of that Innova when we were meeting over at India Bulls when we started our service. God provided just because I, I just believe, I just, I'm like, God, I just don't know what else to do, so I'm just going to keep asking for it. Just keep asking. Be fervent. Keep pushing. Don't give up. Um, and where we see this, okay, happening in another place is in 2 Kings chapter 13. I'm going to finish on this scripture. 2 Kings chapter 13, 14 to 20. This is a really interesting story, okay? Now, I'm just going to get one of my drumsticks as a sort of an um, object that I'm going to use. Okay, let me read this to you, okay? And then I'm going to explain it. Now, Elisha's 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. Now, Elisha had been suffering from the illness, illness from which he died. Um, Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried. The chariots and the horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, now Elisha was the man of God. Okay, back then, this is how God operated. He'd work through one person who was, the, who was the man of God for that nation. The kings would come to him. God would speak through him. It's a little different now. God speaks to us through us all now. Okay? He doesn't just speak through a man of God. We're all men and women of God. We are a, a nation of, of priests, right? Okay? So he's changed it under the new covenant. It's a bit different now. That's why Mary Ann prophesied today, okay? Because he's working through Mary Ann, Rachel, Hari. He's working through Gaurav. He's working through us all, right? Okay, I'm just prefacing that. But, but this is how it worked back then. So Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands. He said to the king of Israel, when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. And he says this, The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. So these people were at war. Then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. Elijah told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. So he did this. You ready? This is what he did. And then he stopped. Right? The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. Only three times Elisha died and was buried. What's going on in this story? What's God doing? You know, the one thing for a king... To defeat his enemies, the most powerful weapon they had was their arrows. 
And what Elisha was doing by saying, beat these arrows on the ground. An arrow isn't designed to be beaten on the ground. What happens with it? I mean, it's, 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 it's meant to be a projectile, right? But when you beat an arrow on the ground, what happens with it? Breaks. It's going to break. So what Elijah is saying is saying, break the arrow. Okay, break the arrow. Some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. But we will trust in the name of the Lord. You know what prayer is? Prayer is, God, I could be doing something else about my issues. God, I could be doing this and I could be doing that. We don't naturally really want to trust God on the issues that are really massive in our lives. I would prefer, me as a person, I would prefer to get my arrow out and shoot at the enemy. But I only got one arrow. I don't want to waste it. It's like, God, where do I shoot my arrow? And God's saying, break the arrow, Ryan. Break the arrow. Start seeking the Lord. And see that I not make a way where there is no way. See that I not open a door where the door isn't opened. See that I not do something that you never could have predicted. Break the arrow. And for some of us, this fervency in prayer is a breaking of the arrow in you. Where your time is so important to you, you could be doing a thousand other things and you think, oh man, I should pray after I've done everything else. Listen to me. It'll be like this for us as well as it was for this king. When we don't understand that we've got to start to break the arrow in prayer, lay ourselves down at God's feet, be fervent in prayer, we will never be able to step into what God has for us in terms of the miraculous, in terms of the things that only God can do. Because that's what happens. You begin to unlock the things that only God can do in prayer. In your own efforts, you unlock the things that only you can do. Now hold on to the arrow. And, and some of us, you know, sometimes we hold on to, we try and hold on to the arrow at the same time as we try and hold on to God. We're going to say, no, 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 break that thing, break it. I'm not saying that we shouldn't go about and do things that, that, that we, we shouldn't go about and work and we shouldn't be able to go out and use our skills and talents. not what I'm saying. But God is our source of truth. God is our source of miracles. God is our source of provision. God is our source of hope. God is our source of joy. God is our source of everything. And it's in prayer that we begin to realize this. And it's in prayer that we begin to see God move like we never thought he could move. Fervency. Fervency. This is what James was saying. Be fervent in prayer. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. Don't care who you are, where you're from, what your background is, what your age is. And we have seen God do things through children that grown men look at and feel ashamed that they were never able to do it. God can work through anyone who knows their Jesus, who knows their God, and begins to stand up in pray, prayer. If there's, and listen, if there's something that you can do this week, as we are leading into this period of time for our church, where it's very significant, you're, you're in together. Don't, don't be a stranger with us. Begin to be fervent in your prayers 
for where God is taking us as a church. I would ask you humbly to commit to praying about this every day. And, and maybe some of you guys, have, your, your prayer life has, has been a little bit like um, not so great. That's okay. Okay? Get before God and start again. Your righteousness isn't based on your behavior. It's based on the behavior in Christ. You have to remind yourself of this. All we have to do is just get before Him. Repent. Maybe you need to repent that you've been doing this and that and this and that and you could have been praying you didn't that's between you and God but he will accept you right he accepts you he loves you even if it's 10 minutes a day make it happen before you open up the phone before you you know go and do everything else pray open the word pray be fervent Repeat. And if there's things in your world that need to shift, don't give up. Don't give up. I just feel like I need to speak into some people's lives. Do not give up praying. God's going to do something special through your prayers. You're going to see a move. Don't give up too soon. Break the arrow. Stop looking at what you can do and begin to ponder what God can do. Begin to ask Him to move. Amen? C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.